At least we got the intro, Joel. Welcome to the second recap of uh, Tactical Crouch, where we uh, sit down on Mondays and just look what the weekend brought us. This weekend, not that much, not that many not games. Not great. And not that many high-quality games, certainly. That's very true. Yeah, it's it's sort of unfortunate that we um, didn't have the, uh, the other homestand going on as well, mm. which could have mended over some of the... F- the things that we had to witness, but uh, definitely. I guess uh, that was really a viral issue. If we want, like the flu is not kind to the way to put it yeah. to the Overwatch League this season, is it? So, oh. but let's start with some housekeeping, so I, I can make uh, uh, John proud in this. As you can tell, uh, John is not uh, with us uh, right now, um, and. It forces me to host and produce, so expect this to be as scuffed as you probably think it will be. Um, otherwise, thank you for sh- uh, supporting the show. I-, I saw the Patreons uh, are really coming together. Like We're at o- over 300 bucks now. Amazing support. Thanks for that. Follow us on Twitter, at Tractical underscore Crouch. Um, tweet us questions, like if you have topics. Even like tweeting me topics that you want to talk about. I cannot... Um, promise you that I will talk about them in my content, but it definitely might give me an idea of where I want to go with it. Um, as always, like we, we've, we are on a new schedule. We're trying this out. So Mondays and Wednesdays around this time, we're starting with um, it's 11 a.m. PT, right? Is that when, when it is? Yep. Yeah, pretty sure. 8, 8 p.m. Uh, CT. That's what I'm used to. And uh, <laughs> We're uh, re-recording at that time and now with the new format of having a recap show and then a preview show on uh, Wednesdays. Uh, unless we get a guest on and then we'll uh, we'll incorporate them somehow. We'll keep you posted. Don't worry. Definitely. Um, as always, and I cannot promise it for this show, but generally watch and listen on anywhere you can get podcasts and as well as YouTube. Um, you know your podcast app. I can't promise you this will show up on RSS. We will see how, how this goes. Then again, you might not want it to. So <laughs> depending on how this goes. So, okay, let's get into the news uh, this, um, this week. Not many other big news around the game. Not really any big patches coming in. The only thing, and I'm not even sure how accurate that is, was was the uh, Netflix show around Overwatch. Yeah, even though about some cartoons and some anime, which you know, cool. Yeah, you're into it, I suppose. Kind of weird that uh, that this is popping up. Uh, generally, like from what I've seen, is uh, it seems like it's only confirmed that it's the Diablo and it's not the Overwatch. Definitely, I'm not sure what the. Um, I didn't really look into it. I just saw a couple headlines and I was like, sweet, next. I'll yeah. I'll tell you for real though, if if they get a show going that has the quality of that trailer, I'm watching that. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd give it a chance. Like if it if it was something in the the same style as like the Doomfist uh character kind of intro, yeah, I might watch it. I might give it a chance. Sure. But uh yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, that was I haven't really been into much much anime lately. I I watched it when I was younger and and whatnot, but not a lot of time, you know. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. it, it, it's the question is how the tropes are held, but whatever. I'll, we'll see when it's out. Um, speaking of production and whether or not that will be good, we all hope that the production won't be the same that we had in these recent homestands, and it doesn't seem to me like it's getting better. And that is the annoying thing for me. Um, that I expected like a rough patch. I expected uh -huh. incremental improvements. My feeling is it got worse. I think I think they finally come to a solution for so so to kind of like break down each of the problems like the transitions were always super late like you'd get an ad or you'd get a death segment and then either like zoe would be clipped or she'd be um just like kind of just stuck on camera like awkwardly like pausing and smiling and and doing like some sort of weird pose right i think they finally tried to fix that and and have like a solution for it but i think that's still kind of getting figured out but the observing itself just not not great no. Um, it's one of those things that kind of you, you want to see it and not hear it. And I'm hearing it a lot. Um, if that makes sense, like I, it's kind of getting in my way and mm -hmm. if it gets in my way, I, I don't know how to observe. I couldn't tell you good observing, but I can tell you when it's annoying mm -hmm. and a fair number of times I was like, why, why, why am I stuck here? I want to go see that. Yes. Yeah. So, and that's, I think it's especially unfortunate because I mean, okay, the big biggest plays from Carpe, like the clutch ones, I think we got a lot of them. Sure, um, sure. I think uh, we missed one of those, where it was like a triple kill on Widow. I think we, uh, we definitely missed, I, th I remember tweeting about it, um, like a four-man shadow on Junkatown. Yep. Uh, um, that Thank God for the, uh, the stun icons, because we would have never known. Yeah, and somehow that the opposing team... The, the match doesn't actually come to me where it happened, but they somehow survived that. I would have liked to have seen how that came to pass. But, yep. I mean, it's it's the start of season. Let's hope that people are accustomed to what's actually going on. The pro My problem is that I see is I think it's not going to be easier. Currently, you kind of can adapt to what kind of a meta totally. we're having. Yep. And, yes, there wasn't, like, months-long like preseason events or something or even even a, a rigid meta in the preseason where observers could have been in scrims or whatever um it's it is sort of a newish thing but this might be every week and yep. we kind of want to see that every time so um we'll see how it goes uh in in that regard i think um i'm not a fan of the third person ever i don't think it works ever for me no i think like there are some like really nice shots that you can get like from a third person but i think you can do that in replays um yeah. I, I think for the most part like third person almost for like any character is like really jarring um if we go back to like owl season one like third person genji blades just they're they're kind of whipping around and the character the character is just too mobile for that kind of like it gives it actually like kind of makes it difficult to watch not not in the sense that it like makes me nauseous or something like that but it's just like i don't know what i'm looking at yeah it it just doesn't work um i saw it a lot on in week one with like reinhardt's where they would just kind of like position the obs team would position on ryan like with shatter and try to like get a third person shatter and it's just like but why 
yeah. you can just go back to that in the replay. And I think that's another thing as well. Like replays haven't been great. Either they've been in weird spots or they haven't been in picture in picture, or they're just like kind of useless replays. Like we saw the Carpe one on Nepal village where he gets like three kills, but it's really not that impressive. And it's, it's kind of cool. It's, I don't even know if we got it on the, the main feed, but then there's like some weird diva bomb ones where it's like, it doesn't do anything. Like, why, why am I replaying this? So just, I think there's like some confusion. I might have actually used the term incorrectly because that is one where I can never figure out my terminology as well. But third person for me is when you're outside, but still behind the character. Yeah. And you're not free cam. Yeah. Free cam is, is the, the artsy kind of like, oh, this is the team. They just capped the point. We're kind of coasting around. The third person is kind of like the over the shoulder shot. Yeah. If I'm. Yeah, understanding it correctly. Uh, yeah, I think free cam works perfectly for me. I would actually. If I, I'd love a game just completely. Yeah, obstinate. That's free cam. that'd be perfect. That's how I'd probably watch a lot of those games. Um, I think for anything, but really, let's think. Um, okay, so you want definitely don't want uh, free cam for uh, the DPS. I think for almost everything else, but Anna. And the DP, the hitscan DPS, free cam works pretty well. Like you get an idea how the waltz plays, you get an idea like you understand shatter. Like the Reinhardt himself, for a lot of the game, is not playing in first person, right? So yeah. that works very well. You understand the impact of the, uh, their abilities. I think that's also true for Diva. You don't need first person Diva stuff. Um, you. Uh, and then, yeah, flex support is kind of nice to sometimes see just how how flicky and how good it is on like Zen totally. and Anna and when they frag or when they have clutch moments. Big yeah. big nades uh, probably also translate to free cam. And then third person, I think the only application where I've ever seen it work well is actually when when it there's a Genji blade because first person is super confusing and free cam doesn't drag you into the action as much so i like yeah. it for for genji uh blades but. i mean it's kind of known to be a part of that like whole like apex transition where you start on the ana then in boost goes out you kind of go to third person genji and then you transition into first person genji i hopefully i'm getting that right yeah. um i don't know i think it's fine like we don't have to go for it all the time like yeah if if i had it my way i just keep it all free cam get as much of a scope and then do picture and picture and replays to highlight really, really cool plays that you saw. Either it's a sleep dart or if it's, you know, somebody popping off on McCree or Widowmaker, you can highlight those plays through the replays. Yeah. I think that, that I think that's a fine uh, attitude to have for yourself. I think that would totally, really turn yeah. off people a lot to of not people, see sure. the, uh, the pop off in the moment it happens. Totally. I, a little bit, I have to be honest, I also recognize that in myself. I mean, yeah, I recognize it. It's just, if I had it, you know, if I, if I could develop my own broadcast, it would just be understanding as much of the scope as possible. If I could just have it, I'd just love to watch the top-down cam. Like, just give me a top-down cam stream. I'd just watch that. Like, the, yeah. I don't really want to watch anything else, because I can catch all the rest of it later. I would, I would watch in the Ripple of your life if, uh, if they gave us a yeah. functionality from World Cup. Um, Hopefully that uh, that comes back because I know that a lot of people are interested in watching that, myself included. So the only thing that 
su- sort of suffers from this is when you're watching. So it's it's always like I feel like we have to step out of the the analysis niche that we are in, and sure. especially as like content creators and writers, like we gotta be in on the narrative. And it's fine that in the replay view you see that sick sleep that kills the diva because he drops off the map. If that's not on camera, that's not in the common narrative. You can highlight uh-huh. it, but that's not canon if you want. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So um to watch th- that stream is probably pretty important to understand what the what the general viewer is understanding. And that's where I disconnected last season by having the um the companions, not companion, the um, all access, all access pass streams, yeah. where I was specifically on players that I wanted to highlight. I think it's great content to highlight this. You lose sort of like the story that is being told by the observing crew, and that predominantly becomes the uh, the the scripture, if you want, the of, canon. Uh, yeah, I I don't know if I even agree with that. Like, shouldn't you? want to kind of shed light on like the truest canon or the truest script sure sure it's just so that's where you'd get that from the free cam the the all access pass so like it might not be public like in the public discourse but because you've spent the time to look at it that way now you can actually provide like a different insight and say hey you know what maybe that isn't the right play maybe this is more important maybe this is you know why this team didn't perform as well because of all of these points that you kind of accumulated over the season i agree i think it disenfranchises you from the current narrative a little bit also makes it so that maybe you cannot emphasize or empathize with the audience as much because they are watching a different game in that sense and you are you might also let's be honest like if you're on one player or you're doing the free cam yourself you might mm. actually be missing more information because you're not an, a, a skilled observer than you are sure. gaining. And the value is that you get niche information in that regard. If you mm. can highlight that, again, it's great content. It's just hard to see the connection unless you want to take the time, go like, okay, I'm, I'm watching the live broadcast and then I'm watching the replay viewer. I'm looking totally. at all the different angles and then I'm revisiting the experience. Otherwise, it's just... Sometimes I think that was where my disconnect came from last season, where I was like, okay, this is clearly not the case. But I also mm. was on this player for the entire match or for the specific key points where you picked that hero or whatever. Totally. And yeah. how would they know? Right? So mm. Yeah. Not to not to leave not to leave this this point completely uh dead in the water, but mm. is it do you like where do you think on how that ties into the whole Kareev narrative that we've kind of kicked into a dead horse from last year. Um, Do you think that's kind of why is because of how well the observation team or the observer team um, kind of showed how good he was at Anna and these, you know, these sleep darts. Um, Do you think that's why that it's, it's so canon? Yeah, I think that, and he was good at things that are very, that feel very, impactful like and feel like sure. and, and feel like they have weight and mm. in that regard you will always trigger bias and in, in people and uh yep. and especially with recency like your fat sleep dart might as well be five times as important for totally. roll stars as it is on on week two right like nobody will remember these games like if yep. outlaws like uh 
like win half their games now from here on out, and therefore that would probably be a play-in slot, then probably. we would think, oh wow, they were terrible. Nobody would remember the the reasons they, and whatever. Like they just had a rough start to the season. Like it would get it would get kind of pushed to the side and and yeah. uh, reducted in a way. Yeah, I think also the the average person just aggregates really really badly in terms of like performance and adds a ton of weight uh, due to recency and due to uh, their evaluation of the points. I, mm. I, I mean, uh, it sounds like I'm excluding myself from that, but that's why I was into stats early on in Overwatch so hard, because yeah. I recognized that my aggregation was not good, and then I looked at it from that regard and sort of tried to adapt that thinking into my overall analysis, where I'm like, sometimes sitting down, taking notes, and going like, okay, this player was this good in this game, revisit mm. in four months, and then draw a picture based on that right totally also i think uh yeah it's a memory thing as well um okay so then let's get into the games i suppose um and connect to that made and i have to lose some pounds uh not a bad showing by the mayhem this weekend just to briefly explain um made and i started the initiative race the mayhem so for every win that the Florida Mayhem get this season, we will lose one kilogram. Now, um, of course, I went in mind with a realistic amount of weight I could lose and a realistic amount I think they will win. Uh, I, I don't feel threatened by the form that they have. I, I pretty much mm. think they're as good as I expected them to be. So... Sure. Um, in that regard, I was actually also uh, surprised so many people received this so well and uh, that we got people like Jacob Wolf to join in. I think you're joining in now, right? Yep, yep. yep. A lot I'm of people board. joining in. So if you want, still want to, I think we can extend because we were pretty late to the party with this. We can yeah. extend like uh, an extension of the lock-in uh, duration. If you want to um, still participate in this, just tweet at me. I'll I'll have a little da database of all the people that participated. I'll maybe write even something about that uh, thing just to have like an overview and uh, to sort of establish this as a little phenomenon. I'm also planning to just have a little Instagram account or something about the pro progress that we're uh, all making. I've already reserved the Instagram account Jim Scrims and. Uh, if you guys uh, want to share your progress in losing that weight, of course, be responsible with your weight loss. Uh, don't go too hard. I I might have overextended my metabolism. I know that with a with the data that I have and expect the mayhem, how good they will be, that I could have done that when I was twenty three. Ten years later, I'm not that confident it will work work like that. We, we, we will see. You know, um, so. Uh, but awesome that pe so many people um, came in, and awesome that the mayhem actually make this competitive. Yeah, finally, it's it's nice to see the mayhem actually look okay. You know, I think there's still room for them to be very bad. Um, continuing on, like even even if with without hero pools, if they really can kind of continue to be this like kind of or or force this double flex support even though that's not fair but i think that's the best way to kind of uh frame it this brig style or this lucio list style maybe that's a better way 
Um, I think if they continue to force that, I think they're going to get found out pretty quickly. Um, and I think that's what we saw with Philly. Um, but we'll get into that. But yeah, good to see that they're they're being competitive at least early. Um, but we'll, I'm I'm interested to see how how they adapt in Hero Pools and and if Chris actually is that bad at Lucio that they're just going to play some sort of weird style. <laughs> okay, two minutes, two minutes. Okay, so let's um, let's get into the the Outlaws Mayhem series first. Um, sure. Immediately, I was taken aback by the compositions that were being run, even though I was expecting. Like I saw BQB, I thought, oh, that's the Sombra I was expecting more of. Mm -hmm. um, didn't exactly end up like that over the entire series. But what I was also not expecting was just how good of a McCree BQB ended up being. Yeah. Right? Like I think they I think they put a lot of resources into him. Like if you watch specifically that match in particular, um, you see it kind of uh I think you see it a lot on Eichenwald, you see it on Usan uh downtown, I think it is. Where it's Chris and BQB just kind of like playing the angles, not in not in such a way that it's like Justice and Corey, where he's just like hard flanking and just like rolling behind like Private Ryan type stuff. But he's always kind of on a flank, so they're kind of giving him room to do these things. So he's able to, and it's good that he actually can. So like when you put somebody in a position to succeed, can they actually execute and get the kills? Yes, fantastic. And BQB, yeah, it was definitely surprising because I think at least I thought I won't speak for everybody, but I thought Sire Player was was, was a shoe in to play both yes. McCree and Widowmaker, but it looks like he's just on Widow duty. Yeah, certainly interesting how teams are filling that position. Yeah, um, with unorthodox picks sometimes in terms of like which player is playing it. Yeah, with more or less success, if we're being honest, and we'll get to that in a second. But um, overall. I'm I'm convinced by uh, what the Mayhem has to show us. I think if they continue just like holding that level, currently I would put them as a play-in team. I think a a, a solid one. I don't know. What you think? Yes, sir. Yeah. We haven't even seen Asia yet. That's yeah. I don't. I've even if I put them up there, like that still puts them uh, or like incorporate the Asians. I yeah. Don't yeah. Yeah. I think they. I think if. From the two games that we've seen from them, I think that's fairly obvious that they really don't want to play Lucio. And I think that's very like against the grain. Sure. So they have like a style that could be, you know, kind of gimmicky and could catch people off guard totally, right? But I like we haven't even seen how that scrim bubble works. We don't even know if sure. like that style works against it. It could just be completely just demolished by this. So I don't I don't know that like if if we were just viewing like the Western teams that would be would that we've been able to see so far yeah i could totally agree with that but the fact that we haven't seen you know the spark yeah. they're kind of up in the air are they are they that uh, bad are they that good i mean no. i i think for instance the the spark will likely be better and they're still in my top 12 i i don't need them sure. to be like that it's just like for instance the outlaws drop for me out of the of out of playing yeah. contention <laughs> yeah so they're moving up um that's fair so yeah in general um i think mayhem was the second best team at um at that homestand yeah I'd say i so. don't think many people would necessarily agree with that but based on the justice uh performance you don't think i think because they made it uh quite close against philly i think the general notion is that i suppose i i really didn't think that justice was all that good 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but okay, so of course they played the use and outlaws and yeah. the outlaws come into the server and they see Anna Brigitte. And they think let's run Lucio Brigitte. Do you think that was the correct solution to that particular problem? Or do you think that was a, an inflexibility into running into that particular style? Because they seem to amend it later on in the series. Yeah, after halftime, um, I want to say it might have been Eichenwald, but I'm not sure. Um, we did see a lot more Ana, um, and they actually even ran Brig Ana at one point, if I remember correctly. Um, is it the best case scenario? I don't, I don't think so, especially on control. Um, it just feels like you have such a low sustainability. Like, yeah, you have, you have better mobility. You can kind of move a six really well. And as we progressed through the weekend, it was pretty obvious that like the team play at once kind of explained and, and kind of, uh, highlighted was, uh, it was, it was a bit lacking. So, I think Lucio brings people together. I think Brig brings people together. So it was a very kind of like fundamental composition where you can just move around to six and just kind of try to steamroll people as a, as a big meatball. Um, but you're kind of fighting into a team comp that isn't necessarily playing together. Like like we mentioned before, Brig and McCree are kind of playing on the side and they have a ton of sustain with that on a pick. So I, I felt like the desk even gave them kind of a short stick because they were just like, oh, just engage, be proactive. And I think that's a general like tip that you could give anybody. But I think for this composition, it's about where you're kind of positioning, right? Like, where are you being proactive? Are you being proactive on the Brig McCree to kind of punish their flank style? Okay, I can understand that. But just to say be proactive, I think is isn't really fair. And then on top of that, I don't know that even being proactive would have fixed that. I think just swapping off probably would have been would have been better, right? Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that. It was a proactivity issue. Um, I think you could justify it that way, like I said, by by running on the split. But I think I think it was just a rigidity thing, and you saw that kind of uh, fix itself post halftime. But um, yeah, it was it wasn't good. I think there are there are issues with the team in general. Yes, that it's it's not simply oh team bad. It's more of this is a team that kind of has to find its its footing first. And that's, again, how I think we, we just kind of describe this team. You're, you're injecting a lot of Korean talent that this is their first time on a mixed roster. You know, this is this is a franchise that hasn't historically done all that well. So they're they're trying to figure out exactly what works for them. Um, I expected this team to come out and do some creative stuff, you know, play a little bit off meta. And I guess, to be fair, Lucio Brig is is kind of different. but Maybe it was a bad stylistic matchup. I, I don't know. Uh, but so far, Pat, from this weekend, Outlaws, not, not great. Not great. Yeah. I, I think, okay, so here's my Outlaws theory, and that overarches over both games. Sure. So there are a couple of interesting uh, picks that I've chosen, right? Like, they're running the, a rotation of Raucous and Repel. I sure, think... It's like Repel's more on the Baptiste, if I remember correctly. Sure. And I think there's a you you sometimes like if you have a wide um player pool you want to divide sure. what kind of heroes they're playing totally i'm not convinced that repel has a worse honor than raucous but he doesn't need to be in order to not play that particular hero or at all 
because I think from watching the Outlaws, it was very apparent to me that they're having communication issues. Yeah. And also in the players that played, that also seemed to be communicating in order to, like, to me, we're trying to fix communication, not with great success, but uh, those are the players that are playing that, that way. Sure. We know Blase is a communicative style DPS player, not necessarily a hit scan. We know Rockus is vocal and has a calming effect on the team. We know Jexe um, is a communicator. He's been vocal. Yeah. And is probably also the bridge between Korean players and uh, Western players because of his English being kind of solid. And also, as a, as a language teacher, I can tell you there's a big difference between people of the same skill at a language. One of them being hesitant to play uh, to speak the language because they don't want to make mistakes, and someone that just goes for it, and this person that goes for it also improves way qu more quickly. So, right. um, certainly better communicator probably in that way. Um, and then in everything they did, it was just a lag of cohesion. They, there were plays that were just unreasonably well, all over the place. I I think that. At first, at least on Saturday, it looked like they were being very patient. So I was I was kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt, like, okay, you know, maybe they're just playing patient. They're trying to like be cohesive. But as you know, Sunday progressed, yeah, I think the the communication broke down like post execute, if that makes sense. Like once the play was happening, things kind of just went all over the place. But in terms of setting up the play, that's where you kind of saw a lot of the communication and it wasn't great because of how slow it was. It was like almost too methodical where it was just like, okay, because we have no communication, we have to start from ground zero. And that's kind of how yeah. uh, Bro explained it was that because we don't know, we don't have any synergy. We don't have that kind of unspoken rule of like, oh, I know, I know my teammates. I know how they play. Like I can kind of adapt and we don't need to speak about it. It's all just, okay, we're going to stand and spawn one, two, three, go. We're going to go here. One, two, three, go. We're going to advance. Mm. And it's just this slow clunky mess. And then once the play happens, then everything goes out the window like they don't then it's like we don't have a plan we don't know what we're doing yeah i also I think, think they have like a general like win condition of like yeah. use your alts in this way so it's it's a very much like they're getting their sea legs they're trying to figure out how to how to kind of play the game from a from a foundational level so hopefully we'll see them progress but yeah start was not great i i don't know if don't, don't know anything about that it seems to me or, or uh, about why those issues arise now because like outlaws weren't looking terribly in this uh preseason i think once sure. again and not a lot of people will like this but meta is a gamble and if you're gambling first off it's a gamble on finding out what actually works and applying course, that yeah. And putting hours into that. Then it is a gamble how well you can run that based on the um, idiosyncrasies of your team. Mm -hmm. Which players play well together? Which players have the heroes to support it? Which players communicate? Do you have enough communicators in a particular meta that then lets you play communicators as well as the preferred roles? It seems to me that it was all like... The, Outlaws were running in the preseason, maybe a, a composition or predominantly compositions where Blase was in, Hydration, not sure how much he was involved there. Um, 
course, we also don't know how much he communicates. My take is probably not terribly no. a lot. Yeah. Um, and then um, they could just play that way, and there was no reason to develop in, in other stars. Let's not forget, there are teams that absolutely won the absolute meta um, oh, yeah, lottery right now. And yeah, one of those teams is Washington Justice. I, for not a second, buy the the justification of only having seven players that pre-mentioned, saying like, oh yeah, we're kind of happy that we have a, such a small roster because now everyone knows we need to be flexible. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't that, that doesn't make sense to me. Everyone's been splitting. Like, yeah. it makes sense in, a, in terms of like trying to keep I your construction I mean, in place. The players yeah. that need to be flexible are the players that are pillars for your communication exactly. structure. Nobody sure. else. And actually, right now, it pays off to have specialists like McCree and Widowmaker beasts that probably... Do you think XCI is shot-calling that team? No, he's not. Probably. He's belting people's heads off and beaming them off the planet. Like, that's what's happening. Do you think Decay is shot-calling, like, every move and macro-managing that entire team? No, they're not. And the concerning thing for me, then, is if, um, if you just run into an unfortunate meta situation, we don't know how long, much longer that will uh, be for the, for the Atlas specifically, but yeah. um, if they're unlucky for a long time, even with hero, hero pools, depending on what kind of uh, bands the randomizer decides on, then again, we don't know how severe the, the uh, nerfs no will be. So, I mean, I can, like, if, if they want to stay true to their message of we want to nerf heroes more quickly, May is the first on the chopping block. That's, that's the hero that currently the meta is focused around. Very few times have we seen matches outside uh, May, okay, Justice had some Justice of those. Justice probably the only team that I can recall off the top of my head that didn't play May, at least on some yeah. maps. So. It doesn't necessarily mean that May has the highest win uh, play percentage. I think that's still Ryan, if I'm not mistaken. Probably Ryan, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, it, they want to take uh, the nerf bat to that hero, and then maybe it falls into another uh, player's lap. The f so, then people will say, well, the best teams adapt the best. True. But... The best team in a meta is not necessarily the one that b adapted to all the other metas best. Are you telling me that Washington Justice was the best prepared team in stage four for the entire meta situation that could have fallen in and that's why they had a perfect stage? Is that... No. They locked into that position absolutely uh, and now it persists and maybe it will persist. But mm -hmm. that doesn't make it anything else than just sheer luck. Because you, you can't predict, and it's only going to get worse with hero pools where, like Jessica said, we don't know exactly what meta we're going to see. We don't even know what heroes you know, these, these players are going to play. And then if you look at how Justice is playing their game, Roar, not a standout player. AimGod looked good. Ark had a couple great peels, but all in all, it feels very much about Corey. And if Corey can't play a dominant hit scan, or if they continue with this style, hopefully, you know, it's got to be pretty obvious that this is this is their style at this point. Obviously, the coaching staff has got to know that. But even even talk, even hearing about, you know, hearing packing and, and McGravy talk about scrims, you know, that's that's what they've been doing for a while now. 
this is day one. Like Corey just gets all the resources, gets to play the flanks. And yeah. if, if he can't do that, then this team doesn't look good. Like this is a very like one dimensional team. It, they looked okay this weekend. But I, when you start to pair them against the rest of the field, they probably start to lose quite, quite severely. I, I don't want to bash them too much because I was honestly surprised how solid they were on the fundamentals uh, in terms of what I was expecting and sure. what I was told. Um, this was definitely a team that uh, is worthy of scrimming. Like, definitely can take it to the big dogs w w uh, when it's all g running well. It isn't just on the meta falling perf perfectly in their lap in terms of yeah. general communication. They didn't have those overarching issues where it's like, okay, maybe because like everyone's can play comfort picks has extra mental resources yes. to allocate, but um, generally they looked they looked more better on day team. one yes they looked better in game one on their debut whereas like okay if you take justice day one or you take just the washington justice and put them against philly on day two where they look a lot more comfortable they look a lot more proactive they look like they have their their stuff together right i don't think that match looks as close as it did you had philly making yeah, yeah. you know they, they kind true. of came into their own especially on temple of anubis and that's where things kind of got all over the place yeah you had c9s all over the place you had you know you're we're giving up ticks for no reason we're yep. positioning really wonky we're, we, we don't really have a, a strategy for b other than just run through dark um can i open that can of worms i think overall if you look at the level of play comparatively mm -hmm. from last season start or even season one start in terms of oh, relative okay. polish yeah jesus christ maybe it's just like that we had an unfortunate streak of bad teams playing a lot uh during the first two homestands or three now mm. um and we haven't seen the the asian teams of course uh we have only seen shock once um nyxl twice but yeah it's also yeah, definitely right. down to the meta not being explored as much but I think, like, I'll just have to swallow that pill of just, like, getting used to really scrappy Overwatch. It's not been fun to me. Like, some of the stuff is just so sad. Like, the, the, the back cap that Ark did is just unforgivable for a yeah. top 5 team. You would never see that stuff happen in, in a more polished meta, in a more polished general position uh, where everyone... Um, is knows what they're doing and um other than freak accidents with like you know shock against atl type of like frame frame analysis type of not getting to the card type of thing but um uh, you know on on uh was it havana um which one uh where um moth doesn't get to the cart and they tap in um in overtime. Um, no, it wasn't Havana. It was Rialto. Yes. True. Sure. Um, but yeah, like, I think generally Polish is th thorough, thoroughly missing for me. And it will get worse once the hero pulls, especially like. Well, okay. I, 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 I'm also guilty of saying it will get worse, you know, or, or I think I feel like we're, we're influencing this with a little bit of bias. We don't know. It could get worse. You know, we can't talk about how how wide that net is being cast until it's cast, right? Like we don't know exactly what's going to be pulled. We don't know exactly how hero pools is going to influence things. 
So it, it could get worse, but it's definitely not going to improve, right? It could either like stay the same and that's a worry mm. because it's, it's going to be hard to improve on that. If things are constantly in flux where you're just rolling the dice and it could get worse, it could get worse, it could get worse. And then the upside is it just stays the same again. Yeah. There's I really know like improving it. I, I don't want to attach it to specific events because I, I think, and it's already seen in chat. It's like, we like, don't take what I'm saying to mean like attach it to these special events where people really mess up. Every engage is like this. Every yeah. engage is just a mess compared to the average engage that we saw last season and season one. It's just so much more scrappy. Like the Rhine, like going like like the rate at which basic fundamental errors happen, alt rotations are uh, out of out of whack where teams yeah, completely spit great, up yeah. where Anas are on weird flanks and somehow survive where um just like obvious communication errors happen sure. where nobody like the fundamentals of placing walls how many gaps there are this is just like it the the feeling of polish is not there and i don't think we will necessarily be able to expect that and it wasn't there for shock either no not as much not 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 to the degree that we'd expect them to be at but i think that's because it's the start of the season right so i think i i think i excuse a lot of these teams because it is the start because they're playing in a new meta and i think i think we're almost being a little bit recency biased or we're being affected by that because of how polished it was towards the end if we go back to like season one or season two stage one you had titans going game five against chengdu and like the charge like that doesn't happen that's not supposed to happen is that you know them you know messing around and whatnot tough to say right there were some maps where they just looked worse on goats they just weren't as refined so i i give them a little bit of leeway especially like week one you know kind of we're still in stage one right um so there are some teams that just look bad and then there are some teams that at least have like a game plan where it's like yeah gig might be charging on cooldown but they're being proactive and they're finding success with it. So hopefully that refines itself. It might not because of hero pools and they're going to have to completely change up their style or there's a potential for that to happen. But I think there are some teams who have good, like solid fundamentals around the game. I think Philly on day two showed that. I think Valiant showed that they have a good head on their shoulders. They have an idea of what they want to do. A lot of it has to do with proactivity. And I, and I like that a lot. Um, New York kind of showed something similar week one but we'll see i i don't know i think it's just too early to say that it's just all bad sure i'm i'm just concerned that if this already looks this like there are there are more factors coming in right it's not just the hero totally. pools but these teams are coming practice into the season and then they start lacking practice once um the season once it, the season continues so this will start degrading even more and yep. i think you gotta be like a, a an admirer of click monkeys hit clicking heads in order to not see value lost here um but whatever like i i, get, I suppose that's what what a lot of people wanted so we'll see how it goes um i theoretically like the the may is kind of a sleeper pick but i see potential in um in how that theoretically could develop of course we're not going to see the maturity of 
that particular style. But I think we'd see just um, a more formulaic and more well-refined like positions where walls would place uh, in, in each situation. We would okay. see uh, relative positioning of teams uh, be refined and a lot more crisp. Uh, we would see counters to towards certain um, abilities. Like l last year, we saw like the evolution of um, how Grav was used with Grav bombs, and then like gr bomb against opponent Gravs and whatnot. I think we would see a lot of that in in terms of what we want to actually use the wall for. Do we use it offensively to cut someone off? How does someone that is cut off still survive pretty sufficiently? We're seeing a little mm -hmm. bit of that already. Um, how um, what are we using the wall against defensively, perhaps? In which situations do we do that? Like, depending on the heroes that we're playing. Um, or especially like with Orisa, with Ryan, that difference seems to be pretty monumental. And then also what kind of supports you play. I don't think it's necessarily the case that the DPS shape a lot, or the hitskin DPS shapes a lot how you want to no. use the walls. Not really. So, um, yeah, I think... Um, generally because this feels like this type of refinement would be the necessary next step for a make comp mm -hmm. I hope we get that get her nerfed and then we get an archetype where the lack of polish isn't as obvious or as unsatisfying as, as it is right now because this is speed chess and everyone's like wait like how does the rook move again can, can, can the rook move like this and it's like, no, you really can't. Like, it's very obviously no, not the case. And this is the level of play that, it, that that's the the feeling I get a lot when, when I watch these games. And that everyone's just like, hasn't figured out the fundamentals, hasn't mm -hmm. perhaps uh, figured out the uh, synergistic styles and also also true for Vancouver in that regard. So Totally. Well, well I think that they have, I think they're kind of a, a an exception to that because I think they have found a their style and it really works for them because they have a ton of players that have played with that, that kind of dive centric um, style a lot through Apex and you know the, the history of the game they've they've played a lot with that and found a lot of success with it and they're translating that onto uh, onto teams that aren't necessarily prepared for it especially on points you know we have people coming out and saying like oh I didn't expect them to run that on Hatamura and this that the other thing and obviously we don't know what Asia looks like but. Um, it, it, the, the speed chess thing is, is kind of interesting when you look at how certain people are envisioning how hero pools will work. Um, it's, it's like teaching a, a young chess player a bunch of different openings, kind of correlating that to like hero swapping and whatnot. Whereas like, why are we teaching the young player a bunch of openings when we can just teach them one and then how to play from that? Mm -hmm. Right. We just, we just give them a anti-fragile like archetype. Which is how I think hero pools will work. Well, we'll just plug and play different other um, non-core heroes to that archetype or find replacements, and the the concepts still remain the same. I don't I don't think that things really change all that much because we don't have time to really figure out all these other openings. So why waste the time when we can just work on this? Mm -hmm. And it might not be the most optimal, but for the people that we have, for the players that we have, for the staff that you know uh, feel comfortable with it. It works for us and you know you, you take it and run with it so yeah i i, I think i i'm worried that it doesn't change i am worried that the net isn't as uh defined mm -hmm. for hero pools meaning that you know 
it, the net needs to be kind of small and, and target specific heroes so it's not really random and if it's completely random we just see a ball ban one week and nobody's playing ball then what what good is this system right if we're if we're trying to help compositional diversity yeah 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 and there's certainly ways where the overwatch league could be very unlucky and we get like four week metas where like all yeah. the wrong heroes get banned in order to not facilitate change which might some might like some might hate uh we'd see about that i want to get onto the florida yep. mayhem and then also connected with that a trend that i've seen over the last two weeks and i want to okay. first start out talking about gangnam Jin. Sure. um to me it's been very interesting and sort of even illuminating to see mm -hmm. how like there is not a contenders player like where you think okay this is a top five rookie on his position coming into the season that has mm -hmm. bombed yet, in my opinion. Everyone you expect to be a very good player suddenly is also a very good player in the Overwatch League. It doesn't seem to be that the barrier really is that high anymore. You see Gangnam Jin coming in, he's great. You see Alarm coming in, he's great. He's you see Fanny Astro coming in, he's great. You yeah. see um who else is like a good XCI, XCI. Um, like yeah. XCI wasn't even that big of a standout performer, but now no, he I, I only remember him for his McCree, so it's nice to see that that's you know kind of kind of kicking around still. Didn't he? Didn't he play flex support for a little bit? Am I misremembering that? Who? Didn't he play like Zen for Element Mystic for like a hot second, like on uh, Horizon? Uh, not sure, actually. I don't know why I have that memory. Anywho, next. yeah, yeah. Uh, Burna is a good shout as well. Um, yes, totally. Fantastic. Absolutely. A stand-up Glister as well. Yeah, Glister. Um, and we'll still see some some of them. I'm, I'm thinking about the ITL guys, of course, like Hawk. I'm crossing my fingers for auto. Sharp. I am not. I am selling all my auto stocks, but I, I hope he does well for Spark because he, he deserves to be on a, a good team finally. <laughs> well, not exactly rookie, but... Uh, no, you but <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's I a, kind of view him as a rookie because he's just he's just been kind of locked away on, on yeah. these absolutely abysmal teams. But yeah, true, yeah. But um, yeah, ge generally, like I'm I'm already surprised how close contenders, especially top level, is. Uh, it 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 might actually be a result of the contender system that we had last year, of sure. just like um. More solid support, more opportunity in terms of like we had the Atlantic showdown, we had all this, those mm. those showdowns, we had the gauntlets. Like these people are getting big stage um, experience, and while there is some shakiness, I think we saw that with uh, Philly, especially in their first game. Um, sure. I still think they arrive already s performing so well that unless on day two, they won not so much. Like, if I was a GM and I'm looking at this season, I'm just, like, going, okay, I can't spend money on an absolute superstar, like Carpe, mm -hmm. for instance, is. And that money, that investment will probably hold up if his heroes hold up. But if I pick up the best rookies, I'm not missing either. No. And, not at all. And that's, and that's where I think a lot of the criticism of, like, the scouting comes from. Where it's, like... And, I, and, I, and that's where I, I kind of sympathize with the scouts, even though I don't think that a position like that exists. I think it's probably just GMs and head coaches. But because we were stuck on goats for so long, 
I think that's why a lot of people were kind of excited to see that these rookies did perform as well because we haven't seen them play a lot of other heroes in God knows how long. Mm. So we were it was it was kind of up in the air. Is Car does Carpe still have it? Is you know how good is Alarm when he's playing against the best teams in the world and not on the goats? You know, and, and obviously coming from Contenders Korea and not having a great season, but yeah, I I, I think hopefully if we don't see such a rigid meta that kind of goes away where we can start to build out, you know, the, the, the eye test a little bit more and say, Hey, no, this player is actually good to hear that KSP didn't really get a ton of looks until Valiant came in and we're like, how is this player not signed yet? Yeah. KSP. That's, that's, that's kind of scary, right? Like that's not something you, you necessarily want in your game where people like that are just falling through the cracks and then just kind of being left on their own in, in the wasteland and just kind of like left to starve. Also, Elevote, by the way, just like, I feel like I've, mm, like, I felt like my monologue earlier was sort of like way more anti-Washington Justice than I uh, intended it to be. Like, like, I I think they are a a really positive surprise, uh, despite like all the luck element I want to ascribe to their success now. I still think there are um, elements to their play that exceed just that particular uh, luck factor and where they look more solid and honestly look like more solid than the others right now oh totally um so like i don't want to i don't want to i like i like other votes specifically on the diva and i think that the erisa comps will start to kind of rotate out and and be very map and sub map specific i think there are a lot of teams that are just kind of leaning on that from the preseason because it works for them right now, but I think they're going to have to start rotating off, and I think Philly's one of those teams. But Elevo in general, like surprisingly good, de- I'd say definitely above average. Like I wasn't a huge fan of Poco in general. Still, kind of weird not to see Fury in there, but there mm-hmm. are some some arguments to that could lend to uh, why we're not seeing him. You know, language issues. Is it is it new Diva and being aggressive? Is is that a problem? I can't imagine that he wouldn't be able to figure that style out, but we saw somebody like who y'all obviously fall off the map when when the uh, the matrix changes came in. So mm. could be something similar. I don't know. Maybe that's a stretch. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I think they just like teams just have very defined like I think it's sort of like the strike effect from last season. Where it was like, OK, um, you tell a player you're the specialist for this hero. Okay. And they probably also become better or close to the starter in the other meta. Sure. Now, what do you pl- tell this player if his hero is meta and he's not playing? Right. And, I mean, it's the player's responsibility to be better than the other guy that hasn't been like, just playing that, that entire hero, and he probably shouldn't be played uh, if he isn't... Um, at least equal but if they are equal then you should play that player unless it somehow destroys your com structure because otherwise it will destroy your culture so um if you have a guy like poco on there and uh he like is told to for instance like practice a bunch of orisa and they decide to run orisa you run him on orisa doesn't necessarily mean that he's like transcendentally sure. better on orisa than fury is it just needs totally. to be better in order for that cu- team culture to su- uh, sustain itself. And then also down the line, once the volatility of this season sets in, when those players, these special, like these, I don't want to say specialists because it sounds like I'm talking about one hero, 
I'm take, yeah. talking about like you're giving the duty of these heroes to this guy and the duty of mm-hmm. this heroes to this guy, and then there's some overlap. But when that guy hits his champion and the other guy had no practice time on it, then yeah. they should be shining in, in terms of. Uh, I think that's my. I think that's kind of my point, though, is that I think in general the coaching staff for Philly will start to lean more towards the diva. I think it's more successful on a wider variety of maps. So sure. My, the weird part is, is why didn't we see fury? Is that just what they prepared for week one? Okay. I can understand that. Like we're, we're still kind of leaning on that Arisa from the preseason, but I hope to see that integrated. If, if that's kind of uh, how the model is where it's, you know, focus being a little bit more flexible where fury is just focusing on the diva and focusing on, you know, other heroes, you know, we saw a little bit of Zarya from, from week one. Um, can't imagine that we're going to see a whole lot more of that, but um, hopefully we start to see Fury integrated because I think Diva is the way to go on the majority of maps. Yeah, the, the thing is, um, I could see how they are still working out their communication structures, but especially with another... Totally. Uh, like if, if I can understand that, yeah. Right, so you don't want to drop uh, matches, especially against presumably lesser teams yeah teams just like be be. yeah and there's no assurance that this will pay off in the long run either because we don't know what the long run looks like totally. so you might as well maximize um every every match win and then just look like a little bit into the future what's happening um yeah. i th- i could totally see where they were just like well this this company's less pristine execution and communication let's run this it's safer yeah we got our starters here here like poco is a known quantity uh maybe fury has has to still adapt to that communication structure even though yes he has um experience from working in the mixed roster before before overwatch Mm. league but then again it's like um like why would you try that especially at your own homestand let's not forget that you don't want to lose at your own homestand and like invest into a uh, fury that might not put out the performance that a poker would put out in that regard on that hero sure. uh, when you could just like do that. If it's another homestand, I don't know if that changes anything, but um, yeah, it's. I think that's that's the probably the rationale, and then maybe they actually thought that this had some stylistic advantage over uh, or like a curveball um, mentality. I think it's a lot of, I think it's a lot of the things it's, it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things. Like you said, like uh, I would, I would still kind of throw in that this is probably what they've been practicing. And like you said, it's an ease of execution argument. It's a communication, you know, are they on board with that style? Do they still want to be able to play the Eraser on swaps? You know, it, 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 probably gives them the best it's maybe not the most optimal but it gives them the best chance for success so yeah i, w- I would agree with a lot of that mm, yeah. what you're saying yeah um it's kind of all, all over the place I, I guess anyway now in terms of um in terms of topics i guess one thing that i really wanted to address even though we've sort of like finished that outlaws subject but i think it's worth talking about what it means for an Overwatch League team when their players are not in, in top condition to play sure. the match. Um, there were definitely players on that roster that were actively playing that also had the flu. I'm, totally. I'm not sure if... Uh, if Pretty I'm, sure Rockus was sick. Yeah. Uh, I heard Jaxay was as well. Um, and as much as 
people in comment sections like to point out that Michael Jordan um, played with the flu as well. Like, A, that's, that's an, uh, an outstanding athlete that is like a once-in-a-lifetime uh, situation in a, mm -hmm. in a game that it requires more physicality than, uh, than, you know, necessarily, like, mental... Um, is it acuity? Accuracy, sharp. Yeah, yeah, acuity, sharpness. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that take, like the the like, if you're coming out, out with that take, the only thing you are realistically dunking is your dunking donuts, like Krispy Kreme, into warm hot fudge or something. Like that's such a armchair analyst uh, mm -hmm. take that it's. I, I I'm not trying. I think we've we've been quite clear in not trying to defend the outlaws in this episode. No, no, no. But no, no. it there are certainly circumstances, and it opens a wider discussion on um, on illness during travel. By the way, okay. a lot of other it's gonna get worse. Well, everybody's gonna get sick because the human body is not meant to be traveling that much. Yeah, a lot of the so the ATL was at the homestand in order for some media stuff. They had sick guys, like uh -huh. part of the production crew was sick. Everyone gets sick. That's just mm -hmm. the nature of it. Um, and it will be interesting to see how how teams cope with that. I, I, it seems to me that being proactive in that regard, in terms of like educating players about like risk factors, um. Minimizing these risk risk factors in your day to day and whatnot will also be yep. key this season, um, and then, yeah, we'll we'll have to see. Now the question is, how much does it actually impact play? It certainly doesn't improve it, I would think. Mm, not at all. Um, and I think I didn't take it as an excuse that this was mentioned by Outlaw staff on Twitter. I think they were quite. Um, honest about taking the responsibility for that yep. and um while that is not used as an excuse and should not be seen by anyone as an, ex as an excuse it certainly is a factor that we should be considering this season i also don't really i'm not on board with the whole idea that these teams are somehow beholden to the fans and they have to be able to explain themselves when they don't look good and it seems and and i'm not I'm not positive if other teams really face that, but I see that a lot with Houston where it's like Houston does poorly. Why? Why don't you tell us why? Because it's none of your business. That's why. Yeah. If everything was transparent, it would only get worse. There's probably a number of reasons why this team didn't perform. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, by the way, and that, okay. Disclaimer, disclaimer, I'm not saying this is the case here, but very often when such a thing happens in, in Overwatch League and a team does not say what actually happened, it has a lot to do with what was dictated to them by the system and they cannot throw that system under the bus and they just have to take it. I'm talking about in the past, for instance, media obligations were a huge obstacle, were a huge like were seriously impacting performances in the Overwatch League, straight up. Like, how can you expect people to fly around when they have to practice and when they're yeah. definitely not in the mood for that? Um, and 
stuff like this. It's sometimes it's part stuff of the orc. I remember the Defiant stuff, like them flying out when they were technically still in the running for plans. Um, like we get it, but this is a, a circumstance that a good management will also take into account when evaluating their um, staff's performance. How much did we actually enforce that on them? Or how much did the league enforce on them? How much power did they have? And the failings that they have, in which areas did that happen? Did it happen in the, the stuff they can change? Or did it happen in the areas where their hands were tied and they are just given the, the blueprint? And once again, I'm not saying... I actually seriously don't know what happened. Um, so I don't know what if there was ex uh, some circumstances like this. But understand, there is a good reason to be cryptic. You don't, uh, you know, anything, any, an underperformance can come from almost anything. Um, you think about your life. If we're going to constantly compare it to, you know, oh, well, I go to work sick all the time and I can perform. It's not well, the same. Your job, your Stop. job also doesn't demand you to be the top percent in your field. And if it does, then I would wager you probably don't perform as good. You're, you're probably lacking in some way, right? Like, I, I don't think that's a fair assumption. Um, and to compare against, you know, these case studies like Michael Jordan, it's like, how, how much of a goalpost move do you need? Like, that is such a stretch. Um, and, and I don't think it's, it's right to, like, just, I don't know. I, I don't know if the correct move is to just, you know, laugh at them and just make fun of them or just be like, no, this is, you can't think like this. This is not, like, I don't even know if engaging with them is the right idea either, but... It, it's you have to be cryptic to kind of keep people safe not in the sense that like oh they're in danger no there are just things that happen personally to some people not saying this happened to outlaws but using this as a case study you, the public doesn't need to know exactly what happened it's, especially if it if, if it's more than just being sick and if it was just being sick okay they were sick move on but you you it's not don't expect that kind of response it you you you're not entitled to this. It's also, I think people really don't understand how much unlike a real job it is. Yeah. I would say, and I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I think I'm, I'm, I don't know, but I asked around and the mm. average amount of hours that people work, even including the off season, especially staff, is 70 hours a week. That's the problem is that the average person doesn't view that as work. And maybe some of the players don't either, but it's still the case that you're working. You're either playing, you're studying, but, you're watching. Like, you know. like if that's your that's attitude, work. what do you mean? Like, did you choose yeah. a career you just absolutely hate? And that's like, it's, it's drudgery. Yes. Does it have yes. to be drudgery? Do you yes. suck at life, mate? If that's the case, yeah. you actually suck at life. I, but I think that's, that's the, that's the general kind of life expectancy for a lot of people. You go to nine to five, you eat and cash checks that's it i go to my nine to five I, I hate it i have a hobby at home and i suck it up and i deal with it and that's the kind of mentality that we're applying to these people who have a better job that i wish i had you know in this hypothetical and of course I also not his work willing to do anything for that no like yeah it's 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 just not fair so if you ever try to have that argument or if that thoughts pop in your head please don't no, yeah, just it's, it's really not comparable. 
It really isn't. No, I don't know. And, and it's not it's not a difficulty. It's not, you know, maybe your job is very hard, right? Maybe you are just a coal miner and that is a very hard job. You know, hats off to you. You, you do a very difficult and, and, and a, a hard task. But they're not the same. Just leave it at that. Yeah. I, I don't know. Especially like, per, per, like personally as a, as a cushy German, like we don't work that much a year anyway. Like if sure. I'm like, okay, if the average German's sick, they just get, go to the doctor and they, they have sick leave. Yeah, you're fine. No problem. Yeah. Right. Um, don't have that here. Yeah. Don't have that there and definitely don't have that in the overseas. Sure. A hundred percent. And, and that's what blows my mind with pre. That's what, that's what absolutely just like try like I, I, my third eye opened and I was, I I became the Buddha for a moment. Like you realize that these players are going to get run into the ground. Yeah. Yeah. You need a deep roster for this season to work. Like we started telling you that preseason. Now, by no means are we trying to like run around and, and tell teams how to work, but it's like you realize that you're going to need replacement players. Yeah. Either for visas or for sick issues or for burnout. Yeah. Or a culmination of all the things. Yeah. You need replacements or you need some sort of, you know, safety nets, whether it's two way players or it's, you know, um, you know, having a player that can be role flexible or or just having, you know, a stand ins. Yeah. Uh, so so to have such a small roster and then defend it. Yeah. I'm just like, I that's, don't see how. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the best argument against it. I can very well believe that they require all their team, uh, the team to be very flexible in order to keep the synergy sure. between the players. Fine argument. But the elephant in the room is this is a really, really hard structure where you cannot expect six people to just like go hard, never get sick, never get burned out for over the entire season. And yep. that is your your system is lacking redundancy, and as soon as the first chaos sits, you're just hurting so hard. Yep. Roll fast, and, and we know we're, normally don't do this, but I, I really like this point. Uh, o for Overwatch says, "I hope no one's pressured to play on stage while sick." I don't think anybody's pressuring them, but themselves. Yeah, yeah. These are competitors. At the end of the day, they want to play. They know that if they don't play, the team will perform badly, so they push themselves. That 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 is a very analogous point to Michael Jordan, right? Like he knew he shouldn't be playing. The coaching staff probably knew he shouldn't be playing, but he did it anyways. They played. So, they played. What what do you what do you want? They didn't perform yeah. Michael Jordan like, but they no. were pl- sick players playing. What's the deal? Like, I don't think I don't think Flames holding a gun to their head saying you no. know you you better play or I'm gonna you know yeah. it, nobody's getting their house taken away. No, like, these these players wanted to play. Also, I can't, like, I can't speak for the whole league in that sense. I wouldn't imagine that there would be, you know, orgs, you know, holding people hostage and demanding that they play. But obviously, we don't want these players to play sick. I think we can all agree with that. But at the end of the day, it's going to be difficult to kind of stop them from doing that. Yeah. Obviously, you have the the end all be all. You have, you have the veto power there. But if that's the only player you have, that's that's all you got. Yeah, that's the problem. Is like filling out that that role, so you don't have to be put in a situation. Um, let me check. I think even not sure if. Uh, let me check something. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Dream even said on Twitter, like the staff had it. Staff yeah. is also sick. They're sick, right? So, so what do you do then? Your coach is sick. 
Yeah. So it's a it's a bad situation, and um, it's something once again where shit has to hit the fan. You cannot account for all the buts and ifs and all the of course. the uh, rough scenarios. All you can do is build uh, a certain redundancy in your system that then allows you to gain from it comparatively to others where you where the others are less prepared. You can fill in that situation. And then at Don't. the end of the the season, it's sort of you know, you know you see some um, some of your structural improvements to bear fruit. Hopefully, often it doesn't. Often people aren't checked on the things where they cheaped out on. So, um, but that's that's the difference between long term great performing teams like the NMXL, for instance, yeah. and teams that don't where they do they don't have the scope. And uh, of it generally. Um, are there any? Is there any game that you still want to talk about? Just to wrap it up, is there anything that um, you took away like from this weekend? Interesting points. Um, not 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 necessarily a game in particular. I think there are examples from games that are that are kind of noteworthy. But um, obviously, you know, sitting in Discord talking, you can go to. You know, I think it's Yiska Discord. What is it? What's the Discord link for uh, the official Discord? Me slash Yiska out. Thing. Okay, that's that's the link. You know, we we try to view the games, do kind of like a a non official watch along or a companion stream. I think they're that's what they're being called at the moment. So check those out. But uh, this past weekend, while we were watching, um, Nano Boost kind of were a big uh, talking point in how teams are using that, and I think you're going to see. A lot of teams use them stylistically. I think we're seeing a lot of teams do it poorly, but there are teams who are more reactive with it. There are teams that are more proactive with their nano boosts. Um, I think Packington and McGravy on uh, Sideshow Stream, I believe it was, uh, talked about you know nanoing divas as they're super aggressive and, and allowing them to uh, pressure the backline a little bit more. I think that's super cool. Um, the use of Arisa, I think, is is an interesting case point where I think again, like. Like we mentioned with the Philly discussion, I think that's probably going to slowly die off on outside of maps that are inherently brawly, like um, Horizon Point A, um, you know, certain sub maps on Nepal, certain sub maps on Lijiang. Um, though that's where I think you're really only going to see Orisa and and even Zarya comps, to even to a lesser extent. But Diva Diva's just too good not to play at the moment three second boosters is pretty insane like you get to you get to be aggressive and then get out really really safely like it's 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 pretty gross and you mm. get to you know deny a ton of abilities you know yeah. it's an obvious kind of counter to may alt you can eat nades you can you can just do so much yeah um it, it's too good not to have even though there are some maps where it's negligible it just covers a lot of bases so um yeah other than that not too much um next week it's not gonna be there are some interesting games next week, but um, we'll talk about that Wednesday. Definitely, yeah. Um, generally, like the teams, uh, one has to look forward to. I think Philly definitely got more solid over the weekend. Uh, oh, it had, was night day. Had me a little uh, worried at first, but it makes sense. Like, um, yeah. I think, for instance, Astro at at the World Cup didn't show everything that he had. It seemed like he was a little jittery there. Um, Alarm, of course, has to be almost considered a veteran. I'm not sure if he has these like huge cards in in his uh, in his past. 
Um, and generally, I think he kind of got thrown under the bus, though. I think because they're so lenient on moving away from Marisa, like they they really want to stick with that for right now, because like you said, the ease of execution um, and, and how much they've practiced with it. I think Baptiste kind of lends itself to that. But on day two, you saw them kind of adapt and you run a lot of Ana. And if you compare Gangnam Jin to Alarm, like just in terms of like damage done or just like watching the game and seeing what team is purple more alarm hits nades like nobody's business yeah, like, yeah. this kid gets a ton of value out of nade yeah especially anti um that could be because he doesn't have to heal his team obviously that's that's sure. that the, you know that goes without saying when you beat a team pretty yeah. convincingly so yeah it, but but definitely solid overall and and i think again hopefully we see more diva from them because the, the arisa pigeonholes them uh anything to say about ivy good Weirdly good. I didn't know it, who exactly was going to be playing uh, either him or EQO. Um, and for somebody who, you know, is is kind of known, at least from talking to the Defiant coaching staff, to have some nerve issues, didn't seem like it at all. No. no I no. think Solid may performance overall and, and had some absolute, you know, sick moments. Again, I, I do remember him, uh, you know, playing a little bit of disc golf. I, that needs to stop. I sure. think on both on a lot of teams, we're just kind of throwing some mails around sure. again. It's, it's in a really important alt. So we don't want to just have those eaten, but I can also understand, you know, the whole, we don't, you know, uh, the enemy team doesn't expect it. So we can kind of get away with it. It's, it's that gamble. Try not to gamble too much. I guess it would be my point. Yeah. I, I think like it, it surprised me that I, I didn't. Okay. I thought there was definitely a possibility that Ivy would be starting a lot of, on a lot of heroes ahead of EQO. Sure. I didn't think May would be one of them. Mm. Um, it seems to me the hero requires a, a, a bunch of communication. He probably isn't good at that. I think the hero requires a lot of like uh, tape and then calculated with your a team bunch of, type like, of stuff. Making. Sure. Yeah. The thing is, I don't think. Ivy is bad at decisions making. Ivy is great at subconscious decisions making. Yeah, it's very where, instinctual. Yeah, like the, it's like whoever has seen this this guy playing Korean contenders uh, before they're defined knows he's just like he's ferocious and yeah. looks. It's it's not as much as like his his gameplay isn't measured. It's like where he could articulate to you why he's doing certain certain things. I think he's just like instinctually just knows what's happening. And I didn't take May to be a hero that supports that particular skill set. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, certainly interesting. Also makes me wonder what heroes Ikio would play ahead of Ivy on then. Yeah. Because I don't, th I don't see like him starting, like even for a Genji meta. Nope. Ivy is still a, uh, a great play on that. Um, I think. What other heroes could we see him on? Uh, I think New Hansel with that projectile speed is probably a toss-up. Um, we could I still kind of give it to Ivy at that point. Like yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of more of the. It's not even really fair to say, but like the big brain, like, like you got to think about it. Heroes, almost like a Bastion, where it's like, okay, where do I siege? How do I siege? You know, where is my team positioned? How do how do I get into position? What do I have to do? Um, Guys, May de yeah, definitely is is bizarre. Guys, he just said big brain heroes like Bastion. How does that hey, feel? I think I think it. I think it's not as straightforward as people give it credit. Like, 
that's that's not a that's not a simple hero to just you know plug and play yeah i think there are some big decisions to be made that win you games it's it's not intuitive but i think it's a lot harder than you'd, you'd think i think it it's also very easy to just say bastion breathe now and the bastion is like and just sit down here okay sure yeah you could you could i think you could micromanage a bastion play like in in the bunker mode i think you definitely could just have set rotations to do that but it's also you need there are some plays especially like i i don't remember even who it was but i think there are plays in like hanamura in particular like in the bunker meta i think at gauntlet where these weren't set plays where it was just an audible call and and you just kind of have to know what you're doing on bastion mm-hmm. but yeah majority of the time you could you could micromanage him so maybe it's not as as hard as i make it out to seem okay so last point i think this this was a long time coming this narrative we've developed over the the um the years almost mm-hmm. um we had chris on and yep. he said that no player uh, spoke out against Sato after the two, uh, two first games. What's your feeling on that? Did they make a good choice? Yeah, I think this is this is finally the road to redemption for Sato. I think this, you know, after not playing much of season one and then having kind of a, a mediocre performance and late in the season one and then season two just being the goats meta, which again, talk to Christopher, weren't really great on kind of mental boom them all season. You know, it's was not their 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 style of play um and now we're seeing them have a full kind of experience um in the off season and and practicing and it, it looks different and it looks fantastic like i'm glad to see sato actually perform well um and make calls that are almost ballsy right like going 4v1 on temple yeah temple of anubis you know going in that corridor and just swing it that's the kind of calls that you need your main tank to be able to make and he, he's he's actually pretty good at him he's he constantly is doing these these calls where it's 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 kind of reminiscent of ivy where it is instinct it looks very instinctual where it's just like you if you think about it too much you're just going to miss the window so you just have to pull the trigger and he can he can pull the trigger it, it, it looked great very improved like already like a candidate for like most improved player true sure so sick very very sick player which of course also like as always like it's also there are so many interdependencies to a player doing well, doing badly. Like, for instance, like when you think about, okay, why did Mecco not look that great this weekend? Well, because well, nobody's telling him where the McCree is currently standing, for instance. I'm not yeah. sure. Just, just like a hypothetical, right? And well, a lot of that type of skill is probably also re- very reliant on the players you're playing with, the communication structure, stuff like that. Um, I think it makes sense that once his teammates arguably are greatly updated in terms of like not sure if i mean i think it's a slight upgrade on the main support position it's a big upgrade on the flex support position it's definitely more diversity on the dps and then Mm -hmm. most definitely um like an upgrade just because of the choice that they get with fury that overall sado in, in a system like this would also start to look better just makes sense yep. um also just because how reliance main tank is uh on the now we can praise him all we want though 
and and he did look good. But to our point earlier, homeboy's gonna get sick. Mm. He's gonna get burned out. Mm. You still need somebody to replace him. Whether that's you know Poco, you know learning some, yeah, maybe some main Poco, things. yeah. it's possible right like as long as you have you know a system in place so that isn't a problem yep okay fine that then then that's fair but i i don't back off the 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 criticism of lack of depth at at main tank in particular so hopefully you know who knows is fear that's is that what fury's doing is he learning winston i don't know do you think overwatch teams should forbid team orgies where they just like uh you know share that viral I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. I was close <laughs> yeah. to saying it, but <laughs> yeah, the filter, the filter, you know, thank God it saved us. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that's the that's the John in my head just going like, yeah. don't, don't, don't say it, don't, don't, cut them off. Yeah, cut the mic. But yeah, I, I think um, that's a fair shout. Yeah. That's that's the part where. The vulnerability for fusion is they're generally otherwise pretty well prepared um i'd say so by the way speaking of preparation i guess we can uh, sort of start wrapping up um yeah. in terms of like stuff that i'm i'm trying to do uh this week mm-hmm. i have a i have an idea for a piece just like how teams now because like it, stealing ideas from teams now in terms of the setup is very hard because it takes so much time to um to adapt it so some teams were open with their approach and their incremental and detail-oriented changes that they've made and uh, for instance especially atlanta and i'm not going to say what what the thing is that they did but i think they have an inherent advantage based on uh the infrastructure that the uh, coaches chose and uh i'll have a piece on that i think for instance what moth is trying to do with his uh little scrim pc in in his or his practice pc in his uh, luggage is a great idea totally i think some teams did a way better job in preparing their place in in terms of that um and that just like these i guess it fills in into our overall point organizational structure we preached it before the season it will be so important now it's rearing its head in in some way sickness how can you uh, protect players from that how do you have players as backups when they get sick um practice there's not enough practice areas what can you do when when the homestand um only gives you the limited amount of time of practice teams have um just prepared for that so it is interesting to see how how the waiting of trying to find these solutions work and i think that's going to be a piece this week previous piece tomorrow and then um i'll probably step out of overwatch and write something else what do you have do, what oh, jesus christ what do you have planned for this <laughs> fine week <laughs> um uh probably going to return to uh fusion talk about alarm um I had this idea that, and it's kind of bunk now, but I still think Alarm deserves a, a shout as being, you know, a home run predicted and hit. Um, but the, the original idea was kind of like to talk about the Elite Four kind of flex supports, like mm-hmm. uh, Jonak, Twilight, Violet, and then I don't even remember, Shu, I think it was. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but now that Violet's not playing, that kind of goes away. Um, <laughs> so he alarm in general, like his is, is going to be a standout player. I think that's going to continue, especially next week. Um, but again, we'll talk about that Wednesday. So that might be a piece. Uh, I'm going to start doing a little bit more video content with the replay viewer. Uh, nice. I'm going to be breaking down specific points. Um, not so much just like a, a, a long drawn out, uh, VOD review. I think people kind of check out on those, but mm-hmm. you know, still keeping with the, the short timeline. Sure. Um, and, and just kind of breaking down specific other plays or points or strategies, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, um, predictions this week definitely check out those um and then something else i don't know we'll figure it out later in the week um, but yeah pretty much that's that's it go read uh, the latest on gg recon definitely. about uh how these bottom teams should be paying up supporting their their tier two overwatch you know bottom teams taking kind of a, a note out of flashpoints book in csgo uh let's let's start finding bad teams let's let's keep hold them accountable and uh use that money to to have more land support player uh, rookie player scouting and, and whatnot so go to go take a go take a gander at that nice nice all right uh i think we've demonstrated enough the value that john brings to this podcast with this i notice that uh my thought cannot be my thoughts cannot be as structured when i'm already thinking about oh no yep. oh no <laughs> oh no we're rambling we're rambling like we, we completely failed in the structure that we had in mind. We wanted to go game by game. We went like by tangent by tangent. So yeah. in that production, of course, absolute horseshit in comparison. Uh, and uh, I hope we have him back soon. Um, yes. And uh, thank Very you. I, I am. I'm uh, surprised that still so many people tuned in for this mess. Maybe it will go down from here, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Uh, I hope we didn't destroy a disenfranchise too many people with this. And otherwise, thanks for watching, and we'll see you on Wednesday.